Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Good morning. Welcome to New Life. We're so glad you're here. I'm Pastor Chris, the lead pastor, and as you saw on the bumper video, we're in the second week of a series. It's going to be four weeks in all called Anchors in the Storm. Last week was Easter, and we started with the anchor of salvation. And the main point of that message was this. Jesus' resurrection is the foundation of our salvation. Makes sense, because if Jesus actually rose from the dead, then it makes his claims to be the Son of God seem very reasonable. And as we looked at that, at the very end, I said, next week, we're going to talk about how our faith, because the three other anchors that we're going to look at are faith, hope, and love, the three eternal characteristics that we as followers of Jesus should have, that we're going to look at faith today, because we want to see how can our faith in Jesus work out there in the real world. I mean, if it doesn't work in the real world, then it really isn't much use. And so we're going to look today at the anchor of faith. And uh, what I said as the premise of the whole series was simply this, that when we live in faith, hope, and love, our lives become attractive to those around us. And you can't really separate faith, hope, and love. They're they're three integral parts of our lives as followers of Jesus. But for the sake of the series, today we're going to talk about faith. Next week we're going to talk about hope. And then we're going to close out the series with love. So uh, Jesus' followers talk about faith a lot. In fact, you know, sometimes just Christianity is called the faith. So what does that mean? What is faith? The author of the Hebrews wrote this in chapter 11 of his letter, which is often called the faith chapter, and it's a definition of faith. He said this, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, it's the conviction of things not seen. So faith is being sure of something that we can't see, and it's being sure that our hopes are real. See right there, hope is involved in faith, so you can't separate them, as I said, because Faith, hope is part of our faith, and love undergirds all three. But what we're going to talk about right now is what it means to have faith in Jesus Christ. Not believe, just believe that he exists. There are a lot of people who believe that Jesus existed. But to have faith in Jesus means to believe what he said, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to God the Father except through him. And that kind of faith calls us to step forward even when we don't see where the next step is leading because we know that Jesus is leading. It's being certain and sure that even though we haven't seen Jesus yet, that he's there. And that he's not just there for heaven someday, but he's there right now in our lives as we're either sitting there, I'm standing here as you're watching online, whatever it is you're doing right now, he is right here with us. That's what faith is all about. Jesus lived and died and rose again in history. Jesus isn't a legend. We talked about in our previous series that Jesus was a real person. And a lot of people believe that Jesus lived, but right now today what we're gonna do is turn to a scripture that talks about how important it is for us not to just believe that with our heads, but to have faith, to trust, to be certain of that reality in our everyday lives. Before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and love. We thank you so much that we can trust you even though we can't see you, that you have never failed us yet and you won't ever fail us. God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to fill us right now that we can, that we can know you a little bit better that we can love you more deeply, and that we can serve you in faith this week, whatever trial, whatever test, whatever temptation we face, whatever storm is blowing in our life right now, 
We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we turn to that scripture, I'd like to to mention the take-home point. For those of you who are new, we seek to make one point in our messages every week. And here's the the point this week. The take-home point is simply this, that faith is the key to living out our salvation. If we're going to live out that reality that happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus rose from the dead, we need a current faith to do that. Faith is the key. So if you would, if you have your Bible or Bible app, you can turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read just three verses, 8, 9, and 10. And uh, those verses tell us how vital faith really is. Paul the Apostle wrote these words, and this is what he said. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So Paul makes three powerful statements in this brief passage. The first thing that Paul said is that Jesus' salvation is a gift. The second thing he said is that we receive that gift of salvation through faith. And then the third thing he said is once we have received the gift of salvation through faith, we have a lot of work to do. And so today we're going to talk about the relationship between faith and works. And, and as soon as you bring up faith and works, the discussion of faith and works, among Christians, you have an argument. Christians are always arguing about whether it's works is more important than faith, or faith is more important than works, or is it faith alone? Do you have to have some works? And for 2,000 years, that debate's been going on. And I would sum it up by saying this. We still find it easier to argue about faith and works than to let, let our faith anchor a life of good works. So you can sort of see where I'm going to be heading in my message today. But we're going to look at those three um, points that come out of Paul's letter about faith um, so that we can see how we can be more effective in living it out daily. So number one, Jesus' salvation is a gift. That's a very important reality. The anchor of salvation is something that God gives us for free. We don't buy it. We don't pay for it. Remember how Paul put it? He said, for by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, as I said last week, religion is all about works. Religion is a human effort to please or appease the God of that religion. What Paul says is that has nothing to do with how we get into relationship with God. God's salvation is a gift. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. We can't pay for it. And a lot of us find that difficult. Because we live in a culture, and, and, and we've probably been brought up with the idea there's no free lunch. Everything costs something. I mean, we might watch an infomercial late at night, and it says, this is absolutely free. But we know there's got to be fine print that says only, you know, 14 easy payments of $29.99, and it'll be yours. Uh, but, but the bottom line is, there's nothing for free. But there actually is. In fact, everything that really matters is free. Everything that really ultimately matters is free. Think about this. How much did you pay to be born? I'm not asking how much did your parents pay to get you out of the hospital. I'm asking how much did it cost you to be born. Nothing. It, when we leave the building today, if you go out in the parking lot here and you look back and you see those woods back there, how much did you pay for those woods? Actually, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not asking how much did we pay to buy it. I mean, what did you do for those woods to be there? Nothing. In, in fact, it's still part of the virgin forest of this area. So, so God basically planted it. God, God did it. We didn't have to do anything. And in life... What we find is that's not the norm, is it? Because as soon as we're a little bit, you know, maybe five, six years old, we understand that it costs money for food. 
It costs money to live in a house. It costs money for our parents to have that car that we ride around in. Everything has a price. But 17 years ago, MasterCard discovered an amazing strategy for getting us to use their credit cards. They, they came up with this saying. I'm going to put it up on the screen. There's going to be a couple of blanks. It says, some things money, blank, blank. Anybody know what it says? Some things money can't buy. Everybody knows, right? But for everything else, there's MasterCard. Bad theology, but the, but, but the, but the part about some things money can't buy is good theology. Because here's the thing. The most important things in life aren't things. And if you ever watch the commercials, the very first one, was a man and his son. They were in a ballpark. You know, a hot dog costs so much, a ticket costs so much. But what, what is priceless is the relationship building that goes on between the dad and the son. And actually, the relationship building between a dad and son can take place without paying anything. But any, I don't want to get off on that. But the other thing, I, I looked through a lot of these commercials as a result of getting ready for this message. And my favorite is these three little guys, you know, they're a little different than their, their, their classmates at school, and they're out on the playground, and, and the one's doing this little dance, you know, and then the other two do the little dance, and, and it says, what's priceless is having somebody who understands you just the way you are. And here's the thing, God does. God understands us just the way we are, because God created us, and, and when we rejected God, he didn't reject us. That's the most amazing thing. The gift of salvation, Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty that we owed to God for our disobedience, and he gave us the gift of salvation. It's free, no cost, no charge whatsoever, and Paul reminded us that we can't buy it, we can't earn it, we can't do anything to deserve it. God just gives it to us. Now, here's the second thing that Paul reminded us about when it comes to faith. And this is that we receive the gift of salvation through faith. Let's look at the words again. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That's the key. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. A gift is only yours once you receive it. That's true of all gifts. If I said to uh, Brian, Brian, I have a new car for you over at my house, and all you have to do to receive it is after church, you come over to my house and I'll give you the new car. So what's the condition of his receiving the gift? It's he has to come to my house. There's a condition, right? Brian, I'm sorry, but I don't have a new car for you at my house. Okay, but, but if I did, he would have to come, right? That, that's the point of the illustration. So what do we have to do to receive this great gift of salvation? It, it says we have to have faith. We receive it through faith. And we already defined faith as being certain of something that we can't see, and it's being sure that our hopes are real. So in other words, to receive the salvation that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead to give us, what we have to do is be sure that he's real, that he is true, that he is the foundation of our lives, even though we've never seen him with our own eyes. And here's the difference between faith and facts. Facts are true whether we believe them or not. Now, if I didn't believe in the fact of gravity, I could walk over here and say, I don't believe in gravity, and I could take a step, and even if I don't believe in gravity, I will still fall to the ground. It won't be like the roadrunner, you know, in, I mean, I'm Wally Coyote, because the roadrunner never falls to the ground. It's the coyote, right? But he would take a step, and he would be out there feeling around, and all of a sudden, poof, right? Gravity worked on him, just took a little longer. Facts always work, but faith when it comes to faith, there's always a degree of doubt. Now, the degree of doubt might only be this much. I'm absolutely certain that Jesus lived, that he died, that he rose again and went back to heaven. But, but it still takes faith because there's a small amount of doubt. I could be wrong. Now, and we have to admit, sometimes faith has this much doubt. Sometimes there's a lot of doubt. But we believe. That's what faith is. 
And so I want to give you an example, very important example from my everyday life. 17 years ago today, new life began. But about a month before that, actually only not really a month, about a week and a half before that, what happened was Nancy and I believed that God was calling us to take a step of faith. And that step of faith was to leave a church that we loved and that we had served for 11 years as, as the pastor in our family. My, my daughters, uh, Abby and Emmy, were just children at the time. And, and we believed that because of what the denomination was doing in walking away from biblical truth, we could no longer be part of the denomination, which meant by default that we had to leave the church. And so we took a step of faith and said, that's what we're supposed to do. Now, we had these realities, these facts, two little children to, to support. We had a mortgage to pay. We had a car payment at that time. Don't have those anymore, but we had one at that time. And we had all the things of life. And we, we knew that we had a church that we already loved and that was there for us, and we were there for them, but we had to leave that, and that was a fact. So we had to step out in faith, and we didn't know what was next. Now, I had an idea. My idea was that I would go do carpentry work to pay the bills uh, until I could start a church in Cranberry. It seemed like the thing to do, at, at, you know, 17 years ago, because if you're going to start a church, you might as well start the church where there are people. And there was a lot of people in Cranberry 17 years ago, so that was the plan. Now, were we 100% sure that that was the plan? No. Were we 50% sure? N not really. But we knew that we had to be obedient to God, and so we took the step of faith, and I left the denomination, which meant that I left Glade Run, and, and uh, two days Two days after I, I took that step of faith, a, a good friend um, gave me $2,000, and he said, let's start a church. Now, that was a great vote of confidence in, in, in us, you know, in, in Nancy and me, but it, it was, and it was really a kind act. Not very many people would do that, but everybody knows that you can't start a church with $2,000. And yet when Nancy and Abby and Emmy and I got down and prayed, and with the, the envelope of money in front of us, you know, God said, yeah, go ahead, start a church. And then two days after that, we went to the Bible Church of Ivywood, where Mr. Earl McRoberts, the building had been empty for two years, and he said, if you're willing to you know, just pay the utilities and, and a couple of missionaries, 25 bucks a month, then you can use this building as long as you want to. So out of the simple step of faith of, of, of leaving the situation that we knew God told us to leave, in two days we had a building, and on April the 8th, 2001, new life began. We had our very first worship service. Now... Um, a couple of years after that, we had to take a major another step of faith because we outgrew the building and, and there was no possibility that that, that building was going to get any bigger. It was on seven tenths of an acre of land. And, and so we'd been looking for property, couldn't find any. One of our elders said, why don't we go down and worship at the high school, at the auditorium? And so we, we, we did. We took that step of faith, and, and it was a challenging period of time because a lot of people didn't like that idea, and they didn't come with us. And, and so we had a few years of, you know, sort of wandering around in the wilderness, if you will. We were at the auditorium, but it was like that. And we continued to look for land, and God provided 20 acres of land on Knock Road in Saxonburg, which this piece of land, okay. So, so anyway, um, we needed $186,000, which we didn't have. And there was not a single bank in this area that believed in us. In fact, we, could, we couldn't get a loan for $186,000. We didn't have $186,000 between us, among us. So uh, a friend of a friend loaned us a personal loan for $186,000. And we took the step of faith and we bought this land. And then uh, that was in 2005. And in 2013, eight years later, this building was built, and it took a big step of faith at that point. And, you know, 19 banks uh, we interviewed, they interviewed us, whatever, and they all said, no, 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 no. Finally, one said yes. 
believed in us enough to give us the opportunity. And so we started the building. Now, since those five, in those last five years, what has happened is we've continued to take big steps of faith. We've helped plant 40 churches, more than 40 churches in Cuba. We built a vocational training center over in Cambodia that's up and functional at this moment, you know, and all of those things, big steps of faith were required. And did we ever have 100% surety? No, but we believed things we couldn't see. We were sure that our hope was real and that God would bring us through those things. Now, all of those things are amazing. They really are. But what I want to talk about for a moment is everyday faith. The small, everyday steps of faith that we have to take in order to make those big steps of faith be possible. And again, I want to go to the letter of the Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6. And here's what we read there. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he exists and that he's the rewarder of them who diligently seek him. We live in a culture of disbelief. (laughs) In this culture, it's like, show me the money. You know, you have to have something for anybody to believe that something is real. There, there is, there's not a lot of faith in this culture. But what, what we are told in the Word of God is that we have to take a step and believe that there's a God and that that God rewards those who seek Him on a daily basis. And over the years, many people, you're, you're among them, have you know, shown up at a worship service or at a small group or at the youth ministry or the children's ministry, and you've believed that there's a God who's doing something. And you've become part of the New Life family, the body of Jesus Christ that's locally located right here in Saxonburg. And you have believed enough that you have not just, you know, you haven't just shown up, but you've done ministry, you've reached out in the community, you've given your resources. And here's what has to continue to happen in a daily basis if New Life is going to continue to do what we've done for 17 years. And I'm going to put it up on the screen, actually, Lucy's going to put it up on the screen for all of us to see. For God to do what he's doing among us here at New Life requires hundreds and hundreds of people to have a growing faith in Jesus Christ. That's the first thing. A deepening commitment to living out that faith in the power of the Holy Spirit And then a daily living out of that faith that results in good works. There's the finally, the the little thing, the works, right? Faith and works. What did Paul say? Once we have received a gift, we have a lot of work to do. Paul put it this way in verse 10 of chapter 2 in Ephesians. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I actually like the New Living Translation better. It says this. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. Let that sink in. We are God's masterpiece. You and I are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So God created us anew in Christ Jesus. We didn't do anything to become new in Christ Jesus. He did it. He did everything. On the front end, God does all the work. But then what's supposed to happen? We are supposed to work. (laughs) After we are saved, after we receive this new life in Jesus Christ, it's supposed to show up in action. And that's where the debate has been down through the centuries in the church. So the argument in church history has been, well, maybe I need to do something for God to give me this faith in the first place. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote these words to say that that's not true. He said, if, he said so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. So he's, he's actually saying we need an act of faith. Because here's what happens. A lot of times, people think 
that all they need is faith. And, and I'm going to put them over here. This group of people says, I have faith in Jesus, and here I am. I'm saved. And so I'm going to sit down on a bench, and I'm going to wait for the bus to come to heaven. But here's the problem. If the bus came today, nobody wants to get on it anyway. Right? I mean, if the bus for heaven came, how many people want to get on it? At the first service, only one person raised their hand. You know, I mean, today. We all want to get on it someday, like when we're old. Huh, when is that going to be? I don't know, 20 or 30 more years for me, I guess. But anyway, the, the, the reality is some people just want faith that doesn't have any issue forth in works. And, and the reason I'm going this way is because I'm going to talk about works here in a minute. But Jesus said, Jesus said, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. So Jesus believed that faith would issue forth in works. But here's the, the opposite extreme. And before I move to that opposite extreme, I, I want to make a statement. If you're following along in the outline, it's in the outline. It says this, the key of faith unlocks the door of works. The key of faith, a literal key, the key of faith unlocks the door of works. So once we have faith in Jesus Christ, it will issue forth in works. But we go back to the people in this culture who say, no, 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 you gotta do the work first. Work always comes first. In fact, if let's say we all decided to go to lunch together after worship, and we decided to go to a restaurant that would be big enough to accommodate us, and we walk in and we all say, hey, guess what? There's like 300 of us, we all wanna have dinner, but we don't have any money. What they would say is, um, the, the restaurant down the street might be able to help you. Right? Because they want to be paid for their work. They, they work hard. They want to get payment. And, and we, we understand that because we work hard at our jobs and we get payment. Or even if you're in school, you work hard and you get good grades. There's a payment for our work. And so some of us take that mentality to our relationship with God. And what we say is this. I read my Bible every day. I pray every day. I do good things for people every day. So God owes me something. Good health, he owes me this, he owes me that, you know. And over the years, a lot of people have said that to me. You know, Pastor Chris, I just want to get what God, I just want God to give me what I deserve. Now, if you know me very well, you know what my answer to that is. Uh, no, you really don't, you really don't, you really don't want God to give you what you deserve. Because what all of us deserve is to burn in hell forever. That's what we deserve. That's what I deserve. That's what you deserve. Because our culture tells us we're basically good people, but we're not basically good people. If left to our own devices, we don't do basically good things. We, need, we don't just need help. We need a new life. That's why Jesus talked about being a born again. That's why salvation is, is something that we can't earn. We can't work hard enough. We can't be good enough to do. In fact, it really comes down to this. Until we admit that we are broken beyond repair, until we admit that we are broken beyond repair, we will never receive God's grace through faith and be made whole. Religion tells us that we can be fixed. Religion says if you pray long enough, if you work hard enough, if you do enough good deeds, eventually you will get to be perfect and God will receive you or accept you. Humanism, the religion of this culture, says you can do, you know, you can just work at it and through counseling, through this or through that, and you'll become good enough. You'll work hard enough, you get to be president of the company. You, you know, if you, if you give it enough effort, you can get the husband or the wife that you want. It's just all about our effort. But what God says, no, you can't. No, you can't. You, you'll never be good enough. You'll never do enough. There aren't enough works in all the world because you started out in a deficit. But here's the thing. Here's what God said to us. He said, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you'll believe in your heart, God says, that I raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll have a new life. And out of that new life will issue forth works. Works that will last, not just for now, but forever. And that's 
That's the reality that we experience when we receive salvation in Jesus Christ and we live out that salvation in faith every single day. What we need is not more prayer so God will hear us better, not more Bible reading so we'll understand the Word of God more, not more works so that we'll feel better about ourselves. All of those are good things. Secondarily, they are good things. But those are not the things that are going to make us better people so that God will love us. God already loves us. The analogy that came to me actually this morning is when our children were babies and they were sleeping in their crib, we would walk in and look at them while they were sleeping. And guess what? We loved them and they weren't doing anything. That's how God sees us. God loves us before we even wake up in the morning. God loves us when we're not doing anything. God loves us because he created us. And yes, God needs to judge the sin of our lives, and, and that's why Jesus had to die on the cross for us. But our works will never make God love us more. Uh, in, in our lives, sometimes we, we work harder so that somebody will like us better or love us. We don't have to do that with God. And so here's the reality. Faith with no works is no faith. James said that, Jesus said that, pretty much the whole New Testament says that. If we have a faith that saves us, it will bring good works. But works without faith, it's nothing either. It's, it's just religion. Works that we think will lead us to faith, that doesn't work either. What, the only thing that works is to come to a realization that God has done everything that's necessary for our lives to be transformed. And so we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. We believe that God raised him from the dead. And when we do that, something changes inside. Jesus said we're born again. Apostle Paul said we become new people. And from that moment, we start to live a new life. And as I said last week, it's not a simple thing. It's a simple thing. It's not an easy thing. Salvation comes in an instant. We are saved in a moment. But it takes the rest of our lives to grow up, to be like Jesus, to live out those good works that God created for us to do before the foundation of the world. And as we do them in faith, that's the key, as we do them in faith, we become more mature and more mature and we become more like Jesus and we become more attractive to other people when we're living out that faith, hope, and love in that kind of life. Now, I know whenever I said last week that if you came today, I will tell you the key, you know, how we can be more effective in our life of faith and, and how we can live it out in our daily lives. Some of you were expecting this mystical thing that, you know, some magic answer. Or, or maybe you were expecting 10 easy steps. But the truth of the, the matter is it's, it's not magic and it's not 10 easy steps. It, it's simply a matter of being certain of things that we can't yet see and being sure that our hopes are real, that the God who created us and who also redeemed us, that is paid the, the purchase price of our freedom, is living in us by the power of His Holy Spirit today. And when we know those things and believe those things, God transforms us from the inside out. That's the process. And it's a long process. And it's not a, not, hardly ever is it an easy process. Because we face a lot of tests and we face a lot of temptations and we face a lot of trials in our lives here on earth. And God is sufficient for every single one. So here's the commitment for this week. I will anchor my life in faith in Jesus. I will anchor my life in faith in Jesus. Faith comes first. And when it comes first, out of that will issue the... the the power that we need to address all the tests and temptations, all the storms of life. 
And the good works that we do in Jesus' name won't be so other people will think well of us, won't be so we can look good, won't be so that God might finally love us, but they will be out of the joy that comes from a life in Jesus Christ. So, if you've never trusted Jesus, if you never believed that he is God, if, if you've never had faith in him because you can't see him because nobody can prove it to you, then today would be the best day ever to do that. Whether you're watching online, you're here with us this morning, if you would simply, simply, it's very simple, but not easy, give the ownership of your life over to him. That's what Jesus being Lord means. He gets to tell you what to do for the rest of your life. He gets to tell me what to do for the rest of my life when he's Lord. Salvation is a gift, and lordship is also a gift. I don't know if you realize that. Because when he tells us what to do, we will do things that are good for us always. And so if you want to do that right now, I'm, we're going to pray right now. And I'm, we're going to pray for those of you who want to do that. And we're going to pray for all the rest of us who have already done that so that we might take another step of faith and live into the power that God has for us in, in Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do pray for anybody watching or anybody here who has never said yes to faith in you. I pray, God, that they would receive the gift because it isn't theirs until they receive it. And God, I, I pray that they would do it in this moment, not wait till tomorrow or next year or who knows when, but right now, in this moment, in this time which you have created for us, that they would say, yes, Jesus, become my Savior and Lord. I trust you. I believe that you are alive and that your spirit can live in me. And God, for all of us who have done that, I pray that you would pour your Holy Spirit into us new and fresh, that we can live faithfully this week. And, and we know that that won't mean live just sitting and waiting, but it will mean that we will live in such a way that you will be glorified, that you will be honored in our actions, even in our thoughts and words. We ask these things today in Jesus' name. Amen.